Today we are going to learn the Shema. Oh. Everybody knows the Shema, the most famous prayer, the Pledge of Allegiance of the Jewish people. And uh, today we're going to examine the, the Shema. We'll start from the prayer book because it's easier to learn the Shema from the prayer book. And then we'll go to the booklet. Um, people think that the Shema is only one line. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. That's easy. Well, the Shema is much more than that. Really, it's three paragraphs. Today, we'll speak about the first two paragraphs of the Shema. Page 42, if you mean. And the Shema is written in the Torah, in the book of Deuteronomy. The first paragraph of the Shema is in the in Parshat Ve'et Hanan, the second parsh in the book of Deuteronomy. The second paragraph of the Shema is in Parshat Akev, the third, the third parsh in, in the book of Deuteronomy then we will not concentrate on the first line. You see, we can teach the Shema for hours and hours. That's how much more is there to learn on the Shema. We will just learn, we will read the first two parshas, and then we'll talk about some differences between the first paragraph and the second paragraph. Go ahead. Uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom forever and ever. And Hear, O Israel, everybody knows God is one. We will not go into it. Basically, there is only one God. God does not have any helpers. He doesn't need any, any helpers. There is only God and the one God and nobody. And really, the whole world is a part of God. But this is a whole other explanation. We'll, we'll talk about it another time. Now we'll talk about the first paragraph, you shall love. Go ahead. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Okay, the, the mitzvah, first mitzvah that is written in the Shema, we have to love God. With all your heart, all your might, with all your soul. Completely love your God. Continue. That's mitzvah number one. And these words which I command you today shall be upon your heart. You shall teach them thoroughly to your children. Okay. This word means, which word? The words of the Torah. They should be upon your heart. And you should teach them. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Thoroughly to your children. You, you should teach them to your children. Then. And you shall speak of them when you speak. Then you shall speak of them. First of all, we speak about teach it to your children. Yeah, but if I, teach, if I don't know, I should then, then speak about them. Then learn. The mitzvah here, the first mitzvah is teach it to your children. Then the Torah said, you should learn that yourself. You should speak about it. Go ahead. When you sit in your house and when you walk on the road, when you lie down and when you rise. When you sit in the house, when you walk on the road, no matter where you are, when you lay down, when you wake up, you have to constantly learn Torah. <clears throat> Go ahead, you now. Shall, you shall bind them as a sign upon your hand. Oh, what binding? We should bind what on your, a sign as a sign of your hand and between your eyes? What it should, what, what's the, what are you talking about? The mitzvah of film. Then here we talk first about, God says, you have to love God. Number two, you have to learn, teach to your children Torah, and you have to learn Torah yourself. Number three, you have to do. Not enough to learn, you have to do. Action. How come only the men have to do that? Why do women not? Why women do not have to put on film? That's a good question. Listen, I asked myself when I was bar mitzvah, why only the men have to, why, why men, why women should put on film and men should be exempt of it? I was thinking you have to put on film, if you get up early to the service. We were a little jealous of our sisters who didn't have to do this. <laughs> now the world turned upside down, that the girls want to put on film, are jealous on the boys. I, I was jealous of my sisters. <laughs> but I'll tell you why. In general, the mitzvah, men and women, just like by a doctor, you go to a doctor, 
Everyone is special diet. There is a special diet for somebody who has a high blood sugar. There's a special diet for somebody who has other issues. Everyone has a special diet. God gave this a special diet for male and a special diet for female. We do certain mitzvahs, women do certain mitzvahs. Together, we fulfill all the 613 commandments. Now, we'll specific, that's a lot to talk about, but specific about film. Film is a reminder to, God, is a reminder to us to fulfill all the mitzvahs. I put on that film on my hand, that, uh, next to my heart. I put on my film over, over on my head, in top of my brains, where the brain is, to remind me that my heart and my, and, my, and my mind should be submitted to God, should do what God wants. And my end also, the end is action. Thought, feelings, and action should only be, and speech too, should be do what God wants. Now, we tie the, the left end because the left side of a person is the weaker side. The weaker side means with the evil inclinations pulling them to the wrong direction. Now, men need many more reminders about God than female. <laughs> we, see, we see the example right here. And it's not only who, it's right here, and it's right here, and it's, right, it's everywhere. No, it's, it's perfect. There is exception to the rule. But in general, men need many more reminders that God is the boss. Women naturally are more connected to God. The relationship from women with God is like a child to a parent, natural love. The relationship between a man and God is like a marriage. You have to work on it. <clears throat> then a man, it's constant because a man, it's very easy for him thinking that he's, he's connected to, that he's the boss. He's making it, he's doing it. Huh? That's why you need a keeper to remind him there is a God above him. Therefore, he needs sitsis. It's also reminding, reminding about the mitzvahs. He needs so many reminders that God is the boss. Where a woman, naturally, is more submissive to God. And she's more emotionally connected. By a man, again, this is general rules, but it's always an exception. Somebody says, by me it's different. I know, we're talking about in general. General, women are more emotional. Then they, they don't let their mind to cloud their feelings. They, they are more in tune to their feelings, and their feelings are more connected to God. A man starts to say, it doesn't make sense, it's this, it's ever going to work financially. It's... Then his mind is for draining his brains, making him crazy. And therefore, he's less connected. He's more quicker to drift away. That's why men in general have many more mitzvahs than women. And film is a perfect example for it. That's in one world. Much more to talk about it. And the next mitzvah that we're talking about. And you shall write them upon the doorposts of your house and upon your gates. Now, the mitzvah of mezuzah is, about, is to everyone. Men, women, it's by the door. Everyone needs the reminder. Why we put it by the door? You walk in, you remember about God. You walk out, you remember about God. That's what the door mezuzah is all about. To remember about our commitment to God. That's the first paragraph of the Shema that's written in the Parashat Vayet Hanan. Now we'll read the second paragraph of the Shema. And it will be if you will diligently obey my commandments, which I enjoin upon you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. I will give rain for your land. Okay. If you listen to my commandment that I command you, to again, to love your God, the same like in the beginning, with all your heart and all your mind, Okay, I will give you rain. Go ahead. Here he's talking about what he's going to give us for it. I will give the first paragraph did not speak about reward and punishment. 
You have to do it. If you like it or not, I don't pay you anything. I don't owe you anything. Second paragraph is a different language. If you do... Now, the main difference between the first paragraph and the second paragraph, then the first paragraph is singular. The second paragraph is plural. In English, it's all translated the same. You is one and you is ten. In Hebrew, it's very different. The Bechol, Ve'afta, Hashem you God, Ve'afta means one person, Ve'aftem means many. Then the first paragraph is written to the individual. The second paragraph is written to the community as a whole, to the Jewish people. Then what will God give us to us as a people if you observe his commandment? I will give rain for your land at the proper time, the early rain and the late rain, and you will gather in your grain, your wine, and your oil. And I will give grass in your fields for your cattle, and you will eat and be sated. Okay. A lot to be speaking about that, but the general idea is then the reward and punishment deal that God made the contract with the Jewish people is with everybody together, the contract with America. It means to say, I cannot say because I do what Hashem says, it should rain in my backyard. My neighbor doesn't do, it shouldn't rain one drop in his backyard. It doesn't work like this. We are all responsible for each other. If the economy is good for one, it's good for everybody. Then the, the first paragraph is speaking to the individual. I have an obligation to love God, teach my children Torah, to teach, study it myself, to put on film, to put up a mezuzah. Second paragraph says, God says, if all of you, the majority of you, will do the right thing, everybody will benefit. But if, if, some, if, if some people don't do it, if God decides that we don't deserve the rain, the good people suffer too. Why? Because I, feel I, have, I have responsibility for my neighbor. I cannot say, as long as I do the right thing, that's his problem. His problem is my problem, because we are all responsible for each other. On Mount Sinai, and later, before we entered the land of Israel, the Jewish people made a covenant, a contract with God, Then we are all responsible for each other. And therefore, it's so, the second paragraph is in plural. Much more to speak about that, but we continue. Go ahead. Take care, lest your heart be lured away, and you turn astray, and worship alien gods, and bow down to them. For then the Lord's wrath will flare up against you, and he will close the heavens so that there will be no rain, and the earth will not yield its produce, and you will swiftly perish from the good land which the Lord gives you. So far is the contract. This is a new addition to the first paragraph of Shema. Now it's kind of going back to what he said already before. Therefore, Therefore, place these words of mine upon your heart and upon your soul. Almost the same word that he said in the first paragraph, right? And bind them for a sign on your hand, and they shall be for a reminder between your eyes. Here he says, place the word, you learn, uh, place the word on, on your sentence, put it on your, on your heart. <coughs> then he speaks about film, right? Tying it on your hand and between your eyes. And now he speaks about, continue. You shall teach them to your children. Now he speaks about teaching to the children, Torah. In the first paragraph, he spoke about Teaching Torah, then doing mitzvahs. Is the Iris teaching about? He is talking about doing mitzvahs. Then he's talking about teaching Torah. Go ahead. To speak of them when you sit in your house and when you walk on the road and when you lie down and when you rise, and you shall inscribe them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, so that your days and the days of your children may be prolonged on the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give to them for as long as the heavens are above the earth. He says if you do all of this again, he goes back to the reward. But we are talking about, the main thing is, 
Our here it's speaking about tefillin, then teaching to your children, then mezuzah. Mitzvahs, then Torah. In the first paragraph, it was studying, then commandments. That's one of the issues we're going to talk. Thank you very much. You can close the prayer, the prayer books. Now we're going to learn the Sikha. Here we have, I didn't realize, I'm sorry, I didn't open the booklet, but here we have the two paragraphs as it is, but we already learned it. Then we, we saved ourselves one page. Mm-hmm. At least we learned the whole paragraph as it is. Isn't there Before in the Shema you say before you go to sleep, and you also say it in the morning. Not before you get out of the bed. Before you get out of the bed, you say the Modani. You, the Shema, you actually get out of bed, you wash your hand, and then you say the Shema. Because it says the name of God, and for the name of God, we have to wash our hand before we say it. Because then you wake up, our hands are not pure. Then, what you say, the Modani line that says, doesn't have the name of God clearly. I mean, we don't pronounce the name of God, that's what we can say while we're in bed. Then you have a big sign on top of your bed, the Shmodani. Wake up and look at it. You don't need it, but it's a good reminder for you. You know, men need reminders. (laughs) 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 Source number three. Phil, you want to continue? Page four. Rabbi Yeshua Ben Karkas said, why in the mitzvah of the recitation of Shema did the portion of Shema precede that of Ayachai in Shema? This is so that one will first accept upon himself the yoke of the kingdom of heaven, the awareness of God and God's unity, and only then accept upon himself the yoke of the mitzvah, which appears in the paragraph of Ayachai in Shema. In general, he says, why Shema? Why is the first paragraph preceded the second paragraph? It says, because the first paragraph speaks about accepting God. Number one, you have to recognize there is a God. There is nothing to talk about doing mitzvot if you're not talking about to recognize that there is the boss. Who is the boss here? Then we can talk what he says. I agree with what he says. I disagree with what he says. I have to love your God. I have to learn Torah. That's, that's number one, my commitment to God. Then we're talking about reward and punishment, who deserves it, who doesn't deserve it. But the first paragraph is... Is, is the beginning. It's like the first, it's like the first um, commandment from the Ten Commandments. I'm your God. First of all, you have to recognize that there is a God. Then we can talk about the other, uh, I, if I do what God says, I don't do what God says. You see, as long as I accept God, how much I do, how much I don't do, is so to speak negotiable. What means negotiable? God can forgive you. That's why idol worshiping is the worst is the worst sin. I deny God. If I deny God, there's nothing to talk about. As long as I accept God, then, then there is, then, then now, I do a little more, I do a little less. I know God is the boss. I'm too weak. I cannot do so much. I don't have time. I'm too tired. Whatever it is. But there is a conversation. There is a, there is a dialogue. There is in the system. Somebody deny, denies who is, the, who is, who is the, the, the whole government and who is who denies the whole system, then there is nothing to talk about. You cannot run a, co- a country like this. Source number four, continue. An analogy. An analogy. A king of flesh and blood enters a province, and his servants say to him, make decrees for them. He responds, 
When they accept my rule, I will make decrees for them. For if they do not accept my rule, they will not accept my decrees. There is nothing to talk about. If it's not, if it's not the boss, then why, why should they accept him? Okay. Go ahead. The difference, top of page five, the difference between the first two paragraphs of Shema is not just the general content, but also the, the, in the detail. The first paragraph, Torah is mentioned before mitzvot. The first it says, and you shall teach and, and speak of them, and then shall bind them, etc. Regarding the mitzvah of the film, and mitzvah of the film is compared to all mitzvot of the Torah. The second paragraph the Shema mentions mitzvot before Torah, first stating that you shall bind them and then you shall study and to speak of them. Okay. He says that what you mentioned before, the first paragraph says, speaks first of all, Veshinantam Levanecha, you should teach your children, you should learn yourself at the Bartabam. And then later it comes to the mitzvah of Tfilin. What the mitzvah of Tfilin in essence represents all the mitzvahs. Is a reflex written that all, all the other mitzvahs are compared to the mitzvah of Tfilin. This is like a reflection of all the kinds of, when you talk about mitzvahs, you can say Tfilin and it reflects all the mitzvahs. Now, first we speak about learning. Then we're speaking about doing, action, right? Makes sense. You have to know what you do before you, before you do. That's the first paragraph. In the second paragraph, it's the opposite. First we're speaking about action, speaking about action. Then we're speaking about to learn Torah. What's behind it? The Talmudic discussion. about which is greater, study or action. Meaning, the order within the first parsha, where Torah precedes mitzvot, reflects the opinion that Torah's study is greater. And the order within the second paragraph, where mitzvot precedes Torah, reflects the opinion that action is greater. Oh, there's a lot to talk about that. One second, one second. <laughs> what is more important, to learn or to do? Yes, to do, I think it's to do. You've been saying to do all the time. Knowing, knowing you, it's to do. You bet. <laughs> I said that well, the, the Jewish people are a people of action. You know, you've always said that. Seems like <laughs> well, you have to do, but you have to know what to do. Circle. Why? Because you have to, 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 to do, you have to learn. And, and what, what the purpose of the learning is to do. There's something in, in one of the parshas in the, you know, the Sparks of Posidus yeah. that says people will study and study to understand why they're doing before they do. And that's not the right way to approach it. It's to do it first. And then it'll come to you. Then what's more, what's more, what is a stronger connection with God? Action or learning Torah? That's a question. Action. Well, learning Torah may be a good connection, but action is... Why, why? You, I did I a good know. job on you guys. <laughs> but that's... <laughs> 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 one without the other, there's a deficit. It's true, but the question is, for example, and w- there is two sides to it. Action, you're right, action. If you don't do what he says, it, then you're drawing a copy, you're learning, but you don't do it. You have to do it. If you, if you believe in them, do it. But somebody who doesn't learn Torah, will, let's ask the question differently. Where is a stronger unity with God? When you're learning or when you do? When you're doing it. On one hand, you're right. Because 
There is the wisdom of God is the Torah. The, 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 that means the desire of God is the mitzvah, what God wants. What is deeper in the person? Your, your thoughts or your will? What is stronger in you, of you? What is more connected to your soul? The will. The will. Very good. He's right. Your will is stronger because many times what you want doesn't make any sense. It has nothing to do with, with logic. It's a stronger, stronger than everything. That's one side. But on the other end, you might be a soldier and doing all the mitzvahs. We just had a bar mitzvah boy. Yeah? He came here, he put on film. We told him that, I, I told him that he joined the army of God. He's another soldier. But can you imagine a soldier who goes to war, but he disagrees with the mission? He just runs around and shoots. But he doesn't know why. He doesn't know whom. If he's not, if he's not convinced, if he's not on, on the same page, if he's not a part of the program, he's doing things, but it doesn't mean anything to him. You understand the problem? People run around and put on film, but they don't, they don't have any, they don't understand why, they don't have any connection. They say, I disagree, I actually don't believe in God, I just put on film because my father told me. The mitzvah is a mitzvah, I'm not taking away from them. A connection is a connection. But some, something about his all Identity, identifying with the message, is unity with God when you learn Torah could be stronger when you do mitzvahs. Because you start to think like God. Understand what I'm saying? God doesn't want you only to be a soldier. Do! Many people say, I don't want to understand anything. God says to do, good enough for me, I'm doing. Not enough. God wants me and you and everyone to understand why to agree with it, it should, become, it should become my mission. And that I do it only because God said so. It becomes my mission. I want to do it. It makes sense. I want to. It's my, it becomes me. Not, I don't do it only because of God. I am a part, I'm a part of the same agenda. I want to do it. Okay, let's read a little more. We'll see. Go ahead. In, in, the, in the early times, what, didn't the, the Jews come to, of the Hebrews at the time, skip to the point where they said, we'll do first? They said, yeah, we'll, we'll do, do and, and then, we'll, and then we'll learn or listen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is that just a flip of what you just said? That's not we, a contradiction. We've, 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 heard, we've heard the different... Uh, the, uh, it's not a contradiction. Yeah, the commitment, the commitment is to be to do. Right. But yeah. why Hashem wants you should listen to? So you understand what you're doing. Should not only understand what you're doing, you should feel it. Agree with it. Buy into it. It should become your mission. Let's read source number five. You want to read? Sure, source five. Page six, yeah. In connection to the Mishnah's statement about the importance of Torah study, the Gemara relates the following incident. And there already was an incident which Rabbi Tarfan and the elders were reclining in the loft of the house of Nitzah and Lod, where this question was asked of them, is study greater or is action greater? Rabbi Tarfan answered and said, action is greater. Rabbi Akiva answered and said, study is greater. Continue, continue, finish, finish. There is not, oh my God, they missed a paragraph, the most important paragraph. <laughs> 
Everybody agreed that studying is greater because studying brings to action. What you said, that's a cycle. They all agreed. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I'm teaching this before everybody gets it. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the study is, he said everybody agreed. That's not a contradiction. They said study is greater, like, uh, like Rabbi Akiva said. But why study is greater? Because they'll bring to action. If you don't know, you, know, you don't know what to do. If you don't know, you don't know what to do. The biggest tragedy of our generation is there is missing studies. If they would know, American Jews would do many more things if they would know. They don't know. Because Hebrew school, Hebrew school is five minutes a week. And even in this five minutes, nobody shows up. And even when they show up, they don't inter- they're not in tune, and they don't learn anything. And the whole thing is a joke. Then they, nobody learns anything, basically. Then when they become adult, they don't know nothing. Then they start with adult all over again. And, because, and when they learn, they do much more. It's just a matter nobody knows. Then you see what the rabbis all agreed. You have to learn because lear- le- learning will lead you to action. But it doesn't mean that you don't have the commitment to action. Because sometimes there is some who learn and don't do. But most of the people, the more they learn, the more they know what to do. And the next time it comes up to the same holiday, to the same mitzvah, they know better what to do. Then we have Rabbi Tarfon says action. Rabbi Akiva says studying. Everybody agreed together. They counted. They, made the, they looked for a majority. It was like a, like a court. The majority agreed. All of them agreed that they said that it's about learning because learning leads to action. Because if you don't know, you don't know what to do. Okay, now we'll go to source number six. So you're saying today most people are robots? No, they, they don't do because they don't, because they don't know. No, they're not robots. They don't they're do anything. They're doing, but they don't know why. They do, who is doing? Oh, you're saying, okay. Nobody's doing anything. You are doing. doing. Thank you so much. You are doing because you are learning. No, you're saying, you're saying people are self-indulgent. They're not, they're not focused on, on their relationship. I think a lot of people go through life and they just go through life and they don't think about what's behind it. Yeah, it's like, it's called mindlessness, not mindfulness, mindlessness. Yeah. You're right. I mean, they don't do because they don't learn. That's a problem. Because they never, they never learn. That's not their fault. They don't know anything. Source number six. You want to read oh, one sure. more paragraph? Just one more paragraph. Bring the glasses next time. I'm sorry. <laughs> Impress them upon your children. Recite them when at home and when away, when lying down and when waking up. Rashi, recite them, i.e. that your principal topic of conversation should be only about them. Make them the principle and do not make them of secondary importance. He speaks about the Torah. In the text that's written, you should teach it to your children. That's mitzvah number one. Mitzvah number two, you should learn it yourself. Recite them when you're in your home, when you lay down, when you stand up. That Rashi says, what means you should talk about it? And they should be your main discussion. Don't make, make, him, make him your main conversation. By the dinner table, what should be the discussion? How good the food is? Or something more meaningful. How good drink is, yeah. <laughs> now, I once gave in a class, I, so I, said, I said that in my house, we don't talk about the food. I said, many times you forget to compliment the, my wife for, making, for the food. And all the women were very disturbed by this concept. <laughs> and they came to Miriam and repeated, and there was a whole problem. 
then you should say thank you to the host for the food, for the artwork. But the conversation should be a meaningful conversation about God, about Torah, about Judaism. That's what he says. This should be your main conversation. Shouldn't be instead of politics and this and get angry, you know, politics makes you not happy. That's a fight. In any case, it should be about Torah. Source number seven. Go ahead, you continue. That's the first paragraph of Shema. Speaks about teaching to your children, then about learning yourself. The second paragraph of Shema, source number seven. Teach them to your children, reciting them when you stay at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you get up. Rashi. Reciting them. As soon as your son learns to speak, teach him the text. Moses commanded us the Torah as a possession of the congregation of Jacob. Let's stop right here. When a child, when a child learns to speak, you know what you teach him? Torah, 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 Tzivanana. This line, why every preschool knows it? Because it's a written code of Jewish law. That when a child learns to speak, you teach him the Torah was given to Moses. It's as a narrative, you know what the next part of the line? Very, very. Morasha, Torah. What's Morasha, Kehilat Yaakov? It's an inheritance to the children of Israel. It means to say, we teach every child that the Torah belongs to him. The first line a child learns when he knows how to speak, that the Torah that Moses was given belongs to everyone. What's an inheritance? To, be, to inherit your father's estate, you don't have to be smart. You, don't have, you have to be born. That's it. You have to exist. That's your right. You're right. Then the inheritance means here that the Torah belongs to every Jewish child. Boy, God, everybody. Okay, that's what you have to teach. Continue. So that this should be the content of his speaking. From this, they, the rabbis derive their teachings. When the child begins to speak, his father should speak with him in the holy tongue and should, should teach him Torah. If he does not do so, it is as he buries him. Yeah, oh, okay. Go ahead. This said here, teach them uh, to your children, reciting them, etc. So here he says, he says, then what is you should teach it to your children? You should talk to your child Torah. Talk, the conversation should be about Judaism. And that's, that's how you, you, you raise them. Now we'll go to the Rebbe's discussion. Who is talking? There is also a difference between the first and second paragraphs uh, of the Shema with regards to Torah study. Both paragraphs mention Torah study, but with an important difference. The first paragraph says, you shall teach your children and speak of them. Mention a personal obligation to speak words of Torah, aside from the commandment to teach Torah to one's children. The second paragraph, by contrast, says, and you shall teach them to your sons to speak of them, attributing the speaking of words of Torah to the children. He says what he says like there, there's a difference in the first paragraph and the second one. The first paragraph speaks about, and one, the first thing is, teach it to your children. But then it speaks about, you should speak about that when you go to sleep, you should talk about it, you have to learn. In the second paragraph, he says, you should teach it to your children, what you should teach your children? What you learn already. You should teach them that they should speak about it. Not that you should speak about it. 
You understand the first paragraph says about teaching your children, but then the main thing is you speak about it. In the second paragraph, make sure that they speak about it, not you speaking about it. You understand the difference? The first paragraph says you speak about it. You talk about it. Torah should be your conversation. The second paragraph says no, no, no. We're talking about make sure that your children speak about it. Go ahead, the next part, continue. This is an example of how one can fail to understand the simple meaning of verses properly. Even, even the words of the Shema, which is necessary to know if one doesn't study Rashi. Most people, at least those that I have spoken to, understand the verses you shall teach your children and speak of them, and you shall teach them to your sons to speak of them as identical. But the truth is that the first a verse and speak of them refers to the father, while to speak of them refers to the child. As Rashi writes, as soon as the child begins to speak, he should be taught. You should him. teach him Torah. But until I learned this talk from the Rebbe, I thought that the first paragraph and the second paragraph is the same about the mitzvah of teaching Torah to your children. Teach them, and then you learn yourself. The Rashi, what Rashi says here, the Rebbe pointed out in Rashi what you read before, the first paragraph. It's written, you should teach it to your children, but who should be occupying himself with Torah all day? The, the father, the mother. The second paragraph, it's speaking more about not enough that I learn Torah. I have to make sure that my children's main occupation is to learn Torah. And that's what, he's, that's what he wants to do. That's one of the differences between the first paragraph and the second paragraph. On the other end, why in the first paragraph it's written, you should, teach, you should learn Torah to yourself a lot? Because this is one of the ways to teach your children. I remember, when I was in the yeshiva in Israel, in Kfar Chabad, there were a group of parents that the kids were not engaged in learning. You know, some teenagers don't want to learn. Surprise, surprise, right? Hmm. They all died to learn so much. They didn't, a few, only a few didn't want to. Okay? Hmm. Everybody else was so righteous. In any case, then the group of parents came to complain to the, to the leadership of the yeshiva. And they said, you know, you don't do a good job. The kids don't want to, they're not learning. They're not engaged in learning Torah. You know, in yeshiva, you learn Torah a whole day, from 7 o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night. You, it's a whole day you learn Talmud and Hasidus, Kabbalah. You are all day, you're praying and you're learning Torah. From the age of 13, you come to yeshiva, in five minutes, you become an adult. It's in a dormitory, and you realize that nobody is going to babysit for you. Your mommy is not here to protect you. You better shape up and become a mensch. And uh, it's a transition, I must admit. But then, as you go to older, my teacher, for a quarter to seven, he wanted to be in class. If you, he was to stay with the clock, and with the lock, with the, with the key in the car, in the, in the door, quarter to seven, Mm-hmm. Anybody's outside has to deal with them later. If you have to pay a fine and the this and the this, so us. Mm-hmm. The point is, when I, that was already when I was older, I was 18, 17, 18, 19, something like this. Then they came to complain to the leadership of the yeshiva, to the head of the yeshiva, our kids don't want to love you. They sat down there, and one of them, or later, was the chief rabbi of a big city in Israel, Benebak. He turned to the fathers. They made a big meeting. He says, tell me, what do you do when you come home? Did you open a, a, a book of Talmud? Or you take the newspaper? 
says the newspaper, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? They all say the same. Says you want your kids to learn Torah? They never saw it by you. How you want them to do it? And he basically, he shifted the, the blame from himself and from the whole leadership of the yeshiva to the parents. And he was right. Because 90% of the influence of a child is home. The schools are just tools. They are good tools. You don't have time to stay, teach your child the whole day. You need the school to do it. But the personality, what, the values of the child, what will be important to him is the home. Is the parents, the example of the parents. That's what it's all about. I saw it over 30 years here. I see it every day. The families that the parents were committed to Judaism, the children grew up committed to Judaism. It didn't make a difference if they went to day school or they went to public school. They grew up committed to Judaism. And the parents who did not, they, made, they sent the kids to day school. It didn't help much. It helped a little bit, yeah. They're more knowledgeable. They know how to read Hebrew, yeah. But in their commitment, it didn't change much. And that's why it, you should be, in the first paragraph speaks, teach it to your children, but you have to learn yourself. That's how you teach it to your children. The second paragraph is, you have to learn it, but don't immerse yourself in the books and don't care how much your children learn. You have to make sure your children are learning. Get them involved, engage them. But it's all for mom. People tell me, I tell my children always to do. Don't tell your children. I quit telling your children. Do it. Leave it. Enjoy it. The most thing, enjoy it. You'll enjoy it. They enjoy it. Think about that. If you have a Friday night dinner and you have fun by the table, if everybody has fun, every kid wants to be around you. If there is a fight, nobody wants to be there. Everything that you do and it's fun and exciting, everybody wants to be a part of it. Kids love to be next to their parents, to their adults when they have fun then it's all about we are we're supposed to do it. And that's the two paragraphs of the Shema. Now we'll read, continue. Yeah. What, what was the reaction of the parents when the rabbi said that in, at the school? I wasn't in the room. What I can tell you, they were not too happy. Did, did the kids stay in school? Or did they pull the them? kids are sure they, could, they pulled their kids. They, were, they, they were lucky that the school was holding the kids. <laughs> the difference between... <laughs> If you don't do it at home, how are you going to learn? So does it go back to the idea, the second paragraph is the, the, the idea that, that you should do it so they could learn. Otherwise, be without doing it at home. Sure, it's all about doing, doing is also teaching, sure. Of course, if you're not doing it at home, you're not instituting any, anything in the kids. If you're just saying, okay, you go read, 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 and sit in the corner. Up six for sure days. not, for sure, for sure. It's all about action. If you action. don't have a Friday night dinner at your house, if you don't have anything, you, you, you find an example of it. If the children all learn, right? God willing, they're all going to learn, right? But if you don't bring people in your house and sit on the table and have a thing, opening your, your, your way of life, Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Yes, absolutely. And you, because you did it in your home, didn't make a difference which school your kids went? 100%. That's, that's exactly this, yes. Father and children, go for it. Yeah. The difference between the two paragraphs, in particular, uh, in practical terms, is that in the first paragraph, the achievement described. Uh, of, and you shall speak of them when you sit in your house, when you walk 
when you walk on the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. It's only about the person himself. There is <clears throat> no word about the children. If this had an effect on them. In the second paragraph... We don't know if it has an effect on them, but there is no word about the children if this had an effect on them, exactly, on them. Yeah. You learn Torah by yourself. We don't know how, influence, you, how much you're influencing the children. In the second paragraph... However, the person himself acts this way, and as a result of his fulfilling, uh, fulfilling, you shall teach them to your children to speak of them. The, uh, when you sit in the house, when you walk on the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up, will be fulfilled in his children's as well. It means to say like this, to achieve the first paragraph in your children, you have to make sure that that's happening. It means to say, you, you have to make sure that your children are learning, that you engage them in learning. There is many times in Jewish history, there were scholars who were very involved in learning, but that didn't affect the children because it, they were, it was like my father's thing to do. It's not us. We are the new generation. We came to America. We are smarter. Yeah, my old grandfather is having his old books and he's learning there a whole day. It was a generational gap. The second paragraph says, make sure, is ensuring it shouldn't be a generational gap. That the grandfather, the father, and the child can have a conversation at the table about the same thing. Talking about the partial of the week, everybody is around the same table and everybody has the same conversation. That's what it's all about. And it's not enough that I learn Torah, oh, my children, that's not for them anymore. We don't see it in our generation. But three generations ago, it was a very common thing. The grandparents were religious, they learned Torah. The children was already much less. The grandchildren were completely off. And, and everybody was saying, oh, yeah, my, we did that in Europe. And there, there. Today, it's not, it's not for them. It's not for them. They have to go to college. You have to make sure your children are learning too. And then there's no generational gap. There's no problems. Okay. Go ahead. Don't send mixed messages. Don't send mixed messages. More specifically, the reality is... Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot I skipped. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. This is a critical difference for a person to achieve something themselves in one thing... Is one thing? But, but to successfully affect his children that they should also speak of them in a very special achievement. For this one needs special divine assistance and blessing. To be successful with your children, you need a special blessing. Everybody goes around and says, oh, my children, don't, don't scream so loud, don't, don't show off so much. It's a blessing from God. And we pray every day for it, that God, we should be successful. Some children can be resentful, can be rebellious. We don't know this. But we have to do whatever we can. It's one thing that you learn in Torah. It's, another, it's a whole different story to make sure your children are a part of the... Of the, of the especially a person who makes a journey to Judaism. Very important to understand it. Many times people get excited about Judaism and they go to shul and they learn. But his spouse doesn't like it. His spouse or his spouse. Many times I had... In, my, in, my, in our school, women came to synagogue and their husband didn't want to come. And I told them, don't rush with your Judaism because you need your spouse on, on the same page. Only when the two parents are on the same page, you can be really successful with your children. 
And this is, many times people think they will be religious. They will put on film, they will go to shul every day. And I tell them, what's with your kids? My, wait, your wife agrees with that? No, she doesn't like it. And with your kids? Well, because of my wife. Then what you accomplished? You come to God, God, I'm so holy. And God says, and we are your kids. I entrusted you with your children. God gave us our children are the biggest, most important thing that God gave us in life is your own children. Before you, I'm going to save the world. Before I save the universe, and I'm going to worry about climate change, I have to worry about my own children. God says, before you're saving the universe, how about your kids? I had not long ago two guys who are making a journey to Judaism. They're from Israel. I start talking about the families and they say, yeah, he's religious and goes and he's dominant and his wife doesn't like it. So what, are you doing? what are you doing? You're losing your family. That's the most important job that you have to do. It's like a, a bird takes your baby birds on your wings. You show up to God and God says, no. Where is everybody around you? Oh, they, they didn't make it. So if you have your, if you, okay, so if one spouse wants, is always wanting to go to shul and the rest of the family isn't, is it more important then to maybe for that person to not go to shul but to stay at home with the family? Depends the family? when, depends when. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a balance. It's, it's a fine line. It says to be, you know, if you can bring them, so to speak, once a month, all of them, and the three times to stay home and be more voted, yes. And stay home, then, then running to shul and losing them. If you're going to shul because they're going other places and enjoying it and they don't need you, they're already adult, and they, then you can, go, you can come to shul. But if this is, if being with them will create a bigger bond and eventually you are able to bring them around with you a little bit, it's more important, yes. Absolutely. But sometimes going yourself is an example. It's, a, it's the same. It's, it's not black and white. Sometimes, if you do, you, what happens is many times people say, I have to meet my kids, and end up, nobody's going to show forever. Then sometimes getting up and going is also a statement. This is important to me. You don't want to go, it's okay, I respect you. You can stay home, play on the computer, sit on your cell phone, the important things that they're going to do for that morning, Saturday morning, and you come, and it's also a message to the kids. It was important to my mother. And eventually, when they're adult, they can also follow suit then it's not black and white. It's not one way or another. But the point is that you have to be mindful on your children. Uh, what will be the best way to bring them around? But the goal is to bring them around. The, and, and the same thing with the spouse. And I saw people who made the journey all the way, and they slept their husband, they dragged them, kick, is kicking and skimming. Hmm. It didn't work out in many, many cases. Yes, yeah, some cases worked out, but many cases it didn't work out. You have to bring, it has to be a family. Always there is one spouse more religious than the other. It's okay. But as long as it's, it's a journey that more or less, a little by little, they're doing it together. And not one flies in the heaven, the other one is, is, is in earth. There was once an old chassid. Then uh, his kids asked him, he used to ask them, they asked the kids, where's your father? He used to, he used to say, my father is in heaven. And, and my mother and the kids are in the earth, they're in, are in the hurt, like mm. lost. Then it has to be, we are the most, we are first of all responsible for our family, before responsible for anybody else. Okay, don't send mixed messages. More specifically, the reality is that because of the many matters we are preoccupied with, with, con 
with concerns, we give over the main part of the responsibility to guide and educate our children to their schools. Nevertheless, aside from the school, the home also has an important role to play in educating children. We must therefore ensure that when the child comes home from school, he shouldn't see any conflicting messages there. God forbid. Everything he is taught in school should be reinforced at home, so that speak of them, of the words of Torah, should not only happen at school with the teacher, but also when you sit in your house. When the child comes home to his mother and father, he should be able to speak about the Torah and Moses commanded to us. You know, when kids come home from Hebrew school and they say, we learn nothing, you know what they mean? They, when they come home and they say nobody is using, can you imagine if a child learns, goes to Hebrew school to learn Chinese? Then he comes home and nobody cares for China. Nobody wants to learn China. People hate China, actually. And they never plan to move to China. And they hate the language, actually. He says, well, what am I doing here? Why am I learning it? For what? When the kids in Hebrew school resent it because they don't see any use for it. They come home, nobody's using it. Then what do they need it for? I learned before Pesach how to run a Seder. And it's so exciting. And in Ibu's career, we, he, Miriam kills herself to make it exciting and entertaining. And you cannot imagine how much energy is put in the Ibu school. And then the kids come home, and the parents don't even do a Seder. Oh, no, we were tired this year. Oh, we were tired. We went on a vacation, we went on a cruise. Not this year, next year. Then he's seven years old. And he build up his excitement towards the Seder. And he comes home. Nothing. You know what kind of a disappointment this is for this child? Next year, he doesn't want to learn one word about it. He knew everything. He was about to show off. He knows the money standard by heart. Nobody's even going to say there. Nothing. And even they do say that they throw a few masses on the table. Said, and, they, and, they, and, they, and they go home. That's what they say there. That matter. Nobody's saying money standard. And the kids, he has, he knows the old signs of the Seder Kadesh, he knows the song Vishamda, and he did, they need a scavenger about it, and he did this. Weeks and weeks we teach him here. Every Sunday, every Wednesday, every minute of the time that we have. And he comes home and nobody's doing anything. He will never learn another thing in Hebrew school. He will hate it. He will resent it because no, it's a waste of time. And that's what the Rebbe is speaking here. If you don't reinforce at home the difference between parents who come to shul, I see in the kids in Hebrew school, between the parents who come to shul and parents who don't come to shul, is day and night. Literally day and night. You cannot even imagine how big the difference is. I can walk in, I can see, ask a question. The only kids who know the answers are the three kids who come, or the parents come to shul. And they come from time to time. The rest of them are like, oh, which holiday is it? Fourth of July, no clue, no clue. The same with me, I'm tells me, we, you know, we have to work on a new curriculum. I tell them, what curriculum? Teach them the same thing you told them last year. They forgot everything. What curriculum? And that's what he speaks about. It has to be the home as the reinforcement at home is the most important thing that is there. Go ahead. Everyone must invest in their children. This point is made by the second paragraph of Shema, and it is said even about someone who needs to be told not to stray and worship foreign gods. From the first paragraph, we learn that even a person who serves God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your means, and also does everything in his ability to teach your children and even his students, who are referred to as his children, is not guaranteed success in causing them to speak of them. Educating children is an entirely different matter. There was a well-known teaching of the Rebbe 
uh, Rashab in this regard, that just as there is a mitzvah to put on tefillin every day, so too there is a mitzvah for, for every Jew to dedicate a certain amount of time every day to speak to his family members about Torah and mitzvahs. This shows us that it is an independent mitzvah and it requires special divine assistance. You see, every day, you know, for, for a religious Jew to put on tefillin is the most important thing. That's every morning he gets up and he puts on tefillin. But many religious Jews, you know, they have quite a few children, and they're busy with a million things. You know, when you, have, when you raise a big family, you don't breathe for 15 years. <laughs> you don't even know if it's day or night. You're so tired. You don't know which day is it. Then you're running around. You're busy doing so many mitzvahs. Who has time to talk to my children? They will see me, though. You have to take out of your day to spend time with your kids. Speaks about Jewish things. Engaging them. Not only what you do, but they should be a part of it. That's, that's, a very, and that's what he's speaking about. Go ahead. Inspired. Inspired by example. First and foremost, the mother and father need to be role models. If they say one thing... Role models! That's painful to be a role model. Go ahead. If they say one thing but conduct themselves differently, their words won't have an effect on their children. Go to Hebrew school there, but I'm not going to do this. Really. Children don't buy convoluted excuses. If the father and mother demand well, they must also act well. If their action is lacking, the child doesn't accept their words. Speak a, you tell your children, speak a clean language, and then I don't do it. Do as I say, not as I do. Exactly. Do as I say, not as I do. Go ahead. Even if the parents demand well and act well, they need to address their children with heartfelt words in order for the words to influence and affect their children so that they should speak of them not only at school, but also when you sit in your house, when you walk on the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. It means to say, he says, in addition, at first of all, you have to be an example, but in addition of being an example, you have to get involved with your kids. Being an example is number one. Number two is actually engage them and talk to them about it and inspire them and get engaged, make it fun. Then the, that's the first paragraph is being an example. The second paragraph is about engaging your children. That's really the difference between two, two paragraphs of the Shema. No time to wait. You want to continue, uh, Danny? First, no time to wait. The person may claim that he still needs to focus on working on himself because he still isn't perfect. He says he still has work to do to guarantee that he won't stray, worship, and worship foreign gods. There are some people who tell you, you know, I need still to work on myself. I cannot, before I go to influence my children, I have to perfect myself. I have to become a better Jew. Then I'll talk to my children. Then, when? Nobody knows. Then. And he will be perfect. Continue. Because he isn't still yet serving God with all your means, such as person is told, there is no time to wait. Yes. Such a person is told, there is no time to wait. Go ahead. Yet, you would need to extend effort to, in working on yourself. True effort as Torah defines it. But at the, time, at the same time, you must also work on you, shall teach them to your children. Your entire existence depends on this. You must work to ensure that the, from the moment a child begins to speak, his father teaches him Moses' commanded 
as us the Torah for all the children. Okay, you want to finish it? In order for the child to internalize this, the most important thing is for him to see a living example from his parents. Then he needs to hear about it from them. From the moment a child begins to speak, they teach him his Moses command. They, they teach him his Moses commanded us the Torah. This can't be done by the father just whispering into his ear. The message needs to be delivered in such a way that even when the child walks in the street, he will not be ashamed to say that he belongs to the people of the Torah. That was commanded to us by Moshe. He says that one more important thing is you need Jewish pride. When you teach him, don't be afraid. Don't tell him, you know, people don't have to know that we are Jewish. Don't be afraid. Be proud. We should be proud of who we are. And the child has to be, because a child gets excited about it, you're proud about something, you're strong about something. And that gets them excited about it, to be also proud. Children are a product of the parents. Simple as that. You want to know how you look like? You know it's your mirror? Your child. And therefore, we have to, the better we are, and we, we, number one, be an example. Number two, to engage them and to do it in an exciting way, in a proud way. This is the whole story in short. In length, you go home and do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's our job. Thank you.